Welcome, welcome to the Dead Cast. July 14th, 1881, just outside of Fort Sumner, New Mexico, a man by the name of Pete Maxwell lies sleeping in his bedroom. Just after midnight, he is awoken by a man joining him in the room. The man has a gun, and his name Pat Garrett. He is a sheriff who has been to the Maxwell Ranch earlier that day, looking for one of Maxwell's acquaintances an outlaw by the name of William H. Bonney, alias Billy the Kid. Although Maxwell insists he doesn't know where the kid is, they stand there in silence for a few moments before a figure appears in the doorway of Maxwell's bedroom. Speaking in Spanish, the figure asks who it is. Garrett reacts, firing twice, thus ending the career of Billy the Kid. Hello and welcome once again to the DeathCast. I'm your host, best-selling independent author Ian Totten. I'd like to thank you for joining me as we prepare to take a look today at the life and career of Billy the Kid. I got a lot of good feedback on last week's episode concerning Claude Dallas and decided to continue on this theme of outlaws. And what better time to cover possibly the most famous outlaw of the Old West than the week of his death. Before we get into this week's story, I have my normal plugs. If you'd like to follow me on social media, that would be YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and MeWe. Just go to those websites and search for Ian Totten, author, you'll find me. I'm constantly posting stuff. If you'd like to purchase any of my books, uh, go to Amazon or click on the link in the description of this video and take you there. I have five currently out with two more slated for release before the end of this year. Two other plugs. My friend Alistair Cross has a new book out, The Black Wasp. It is the third book in his Vampires of Crimson Cove series. So if you're into vampires and horror, uh, go to Amazon and search for Alistair Cross or The Black Wasp. It will come up. I really think you'll enjoy Alistair's writing style. As I've said before, he's a very lyrical, almost poetic flow to his words. Now that the plugs are out of the way, get yourself something to drink, sit back in a chair, relax, kick back your feet. I've got my coffee, I've got my cigarettes. Let's go into the crypt. As stated, we're going to be looking at the life and crimes of Billy the Kid, alias William H. Bonnie, alias Henry McCarthy. A lot has been written and said about Billy. I'm going to start off with, I think if you're a male of a certain age living in the U.S., at one point or another, you wanted to be Billy the Kid. A part of that has to do with the idea of freedom that the 
Old West represents, but a bigger part of that has to do with a very popular movie that came out in the late 1980s called Young Guns, which starred Emilio Estevez as Billy the Kid. That movie covered a portion of his life that really isn't talked about that much, and that is the infamous Lincoln County War and the group of young men that Billy rode with during that war. That film really glamorized uh, Billy the Kid to many people, myself included. There's also a lot of conjecture and half-truths concerning Billy the Kid. I am not going to attempt to cover, you know, all of the different theories concerning, you know, his true identity or any of that stuff, simply because with a character of this nature, it's very hard to pinpoint any fact concerning, you know, his early life, when he was born, etc., etc., the man who would grow up to be Billy the Kid was supposedly born Henry McCarty either on the 17th of September or the 23rd of November, 1859, to an Irish Catholic family, his mother Catherine and Patrick McCarty, in New York City. And you'll notice that I gave two different dates for his birthday, and that's because, as with many things concerning Billy the Kid, there's some conjecture as to whether or not it was in September or November. However, St. Peter's Church in Manhattan has stated back, at least in the 1970s, that they had a record on file listing Billy the Kid's baptism as being September 28th of 1859, and they have been able to show that his younger brother was born in 1863. That would be Joseph McCarty. At some point, the family moved to Kansas, where Billy's father died, after which point uh, Catherine McCarty took her sons and moved to Indianapolis, Indiana, where she met a man by the name of William Henry Harrison Catrum. In 1870, the family moved back to Kansas, settling in Wichita. They eventually moved to New Mexico, and on March 1st, 1873, Catherine and Atrum were married with both boys serving as witnesses. Uh, not long after this, the family moved again from Santa Fe to Silver City, New Mexico. Billy's brother began to refer to himself as Joseph Antrim. Some point in 1874, William Antrim abandoned the family, and on September 16th, 1874, the boy's mother, Catherine, died from tuberculosis. 
Billy was 15 at the time, and he and his brother were taken in by a local orphanage where they worked for room and board. On September 16, 1875, McCarthy, age 16, was arrested for stealing. Ten days later, he and a man by the name of George Schaefer robbed a Chinese laundry. They took clothing and two pistols and were quickly caught. Two days after this arrest, McCarty escaped from jail and became a fugitive. After this, Billy was able to locate his stepfather, Antrim, and he stayed with him until he was thrown out of the house, at which point Billy stole clothing and guns. From all indications, Billy was a fairly short, unassuming young man with what has variously been described as, you know, a boyish charm about him to you know, almost heartthrob good looks. And it was because of this that other cowboys picked on him at times, especially during this time before he had really made a name for himself. After leaving his stepfather's, Billy traveled to southeastern Arizona, where he worked as a ranch hand and became known uh, for his gambling and drinking in the local saloons. In 1876, he was hired by as a ranch hand by a man by the name of Henry Hooker, and it was during this period of time that he became acquainted with another man by the name of John R. Mackey, who was a Scottish-born criminal. Mackey was a former U.S. cavalry private, and at the time that Billy encountered the man, he was living near the old U.S. Army post, Camp Grant. The two of them very quickly hit it off and began stealing horses from soldiers stationed at the camp. Some reports have stated that at this time, Billy was nicknamed Kid Antrim, due to his physical appearance as well as his personality. I could find no records indicating whether Billy and Mackie ended up getting caught for their horse stealing, but the next important event in his life took place on August 17, 1877, in the village of Bonita, Arizona. Accounts differ as to exactly what took place, but the consensus seems to be that Billy was at the saloon drinking and gambling when a local blacksmith by the name of Francis P. Cahill who was known to have bullied Billy over some period of time. Well, the two of them then got into an argument, and apparently Cahill decided to call Billy a pimp, 
which brings up the question as to whether or not Billy was possibly running prostitutes. Uh, it's very possible, uh, especially given, you know, the connotations of that word. Why else would Cahill call him that? In any event, Billy retorted by calling Cahill a son of a bitch, and the two men got into a physical altercation, the end result of which was Billy shot the man. A witness later said he had no choice. He had to use his equalizer. Cahill died the following day, and Billy fled, only to return a few days later, at which point he was arrested by the local justice of the peace and put into the camp guardhouse, only to escape the following day on a stolen horse. After leaving the Arizona Territory, Billy went to the New Mexico Territory, where apparently... The local tribe of Apaches took the horse for, from him and left him for dead. Billy walked to the nearest settlement, uh, Fort Stanton in the Pecos Valley, where he went to the home of a friend who was a Seven River Warriors gang member by the name of John Jones. Apparently, Billy was in pretty rough shape when he arrived at the Jones household, and Jones's mother, Barbara, nursed him back to health. After healing up, Billy left the Jones household and went to a place known as Apache Teo, which was a former army post, at which point he joined a band of cattle rustlers known as the Jesse Evans Gang. Apparently, the Evans gang was fairly vicious, and they had no problem shooting individuals who attempted to apprehend or stop them. Eventually, in December of 1877, Billy ended up being hired as a cowboy and ranch hand for John H. Tunstall at Rio Feliz. It was also during this period of time, 1877, that McCarty began referring to himself as William H. Bonney. Now, the man who hired on Billy, John Tunstall, he was a British businessman who ran a ranch near the Rio Grande in Lincoln County. Tunstall had gone into business with his lawyer, Alexander McSweeney, and they were embroiled in a war with another group of cattle ranchers, Lawrence Murphy, James Dolan, and John Riley, who had, all three of them were formerly in the army during the Civil War. And they had a lot of connections within the army as well as within the local and state governments and they used this to kind of create a monopoly in Lincoln County and keep other ranchers from becoming successful and they did this by securing an exclusive beef contract with Fort Stanton and 
threatening and assaulting anyone who tried to do business in or around Lincoln. The Murphy Dolan gang were tied into a group called the Santa Fe Ring, which was a group of very powerful lawyers, politicians, and land speculators who really ran roughshod over the Santa Fe, New Mexico area, doing pretty much what they wanted to do, buying the land they wanted, and keeping others out. Tunstall and McSween supposedly became indebted to Murphy and his business partners. Because of this, Murphy was able to get Sheriff William Dre Brady, who was a fairly crooked individual, to deputize some of Murphy's men. And they sent them out ostensibly to the Murphy Ranch to seize a group of cattle that they were running as payment for these debts. Upon learning that Murphy's men were on his land, Tunstall went out to confront them and ended up being shot down by these deputized individuals. This really started what became known as the Lincoln County War. After this, Billy and a man by the name of Dick Brewer swore affidavits against Sheriff Brady and those who were in his posse, and they attained murder warrants from Lincoln County Justice of the Peace, John B. Wilson. As the story goes, well, Billy and Brewer were attempting to arrest or locate and arrest the sheriff, the sheriff and his men, in turn, located and arrested Billy and Brewer. The two of them were saved, however, when a friend of Billy's, a U.S. Marshal, arrived on the scene with a posse of his own men, who in turn arrested the guards Brady had put in place to watch Billy and Brewer. After this, Billy joined a group that was known as the Lincoln County Regulators, which was a group of former ranch hands as well as residents of Lincoln County who were incensed over the murder of Tunstall and the monopoly that Murphy had on the local businesses. Dick Brewer was one member of these regulators, and he ended up being appointed as a special constable to execute the warrants and arrest the man accused of killing John Tunstall. In addition to this, another regulator, a man by the name of Robert Wildenman, who was previously a deputy U.S. Marshal, was given permission to form a posse to round the men up. On March 9th, Frank Baker and William Morton were arrested by members of the Regulators. These two of, these two men were accused of actually having killed Tunstall. Whether they did or not, however, is unknown, as both men were killed when attempting to escape. A little over a month later, 
the regulators ambushed Sheriff Brady and his deputies. Billy was with them and ended up being wounded in the thigh during the battle. Sheriff Brady and Deputy Sheriff George W. Hinman were killed in the ensuing shootout. On April 4, 1878, a man by the name of Buckshot Roberts, who was a buffalo hunter, frontiersman, and cowboy, was preparing to leave the Lincoln area after having sold his ranch. Apparently, he was waiting on the check from the individuals who had purchased his ranch when he drove to Blazer's Mill, which was a sawmill and trading post. When he arrived at the sawmill, Roberts was surprised to find that members of the regulators were there eating their lunch. One of them was, of course, Billy the Kid. Now, Roberts always maintained his innocence in having anything to do with Murphy and the murder of John Tunstall, but the regulators believed he was actually involved. And after talking to him and trying to get him to give himself up, Roberts refused, believing he would be killed by the men regardless of whether he surrendered or not. Dick Bowdry, who was the regulator's leader, became impatient after waiting for the man to give himself up and sent others out to arrest Roberts, at which point a firefight ensued with Roberts firing at a man by the name of Charlie Bowdry. Bowdry himself fired at Roberts. Roberts ended up being hit in the stomach by the shot fired from by Bowdry, while Bowdry's pants fell down as the bullet fired by Roberts hit his belt buckle. A number of other men were wounded uh, by Roberts, who had ensconced himself in a doorway. He seriously wounded a man by the name of John Middleton, Doc Skurlock, and another man by the name of George Coe, who had his right hand destroyed. Coe ended up shooting Roberts, and Roberts was still on his feet, and he continued to fire until his weapon was empty, at which point Billy the Kid rushed out to apprehend the man only to be knocked unconscious when Roberts hit him with the butt of his gun. Eventually, Roberts was able to barricade himself inside of a house. And after some period of time, Dick Brewer circled around the house, taking cover behind a stack of logs and opened fire on the room where Roberts had fortified himself. Roberts ended up shooting Brewer in the head when he saw where the man was firing from. At this point, the regulators fled, sending a doctor to go and tend to Roberts, who died the following day from his wounds. Because of all of this, warrants were issued for members of the regulators, including Billy and two others who were charged with killing Brady, Hinman, and Roberts. On Sunday, July 14th, Tunstall's former business partner, McSween, arrived in Lincoln with 
a group of regulators, roughly 50 to 60 men, and they station themselves throughout the town, ostensibly to protect McSween. On July 16th, the newly appointed sheriff, George Pepin, sent sharpshooters to kill the regulators, although they ended up retreating when one of the sharpshooters was shot and killed by one of the regulators. Pepin next sent a message to nearby Fort Stanton asking for military assistance, which was initially ignored, although it was eventually granted. Over the, you know, between Sunday and Tuesday, there were, you know, numerous firefights between the factions until the military sent reinforcements to them. That was on July 18th. Most of the individuals on site, that is the regulators, fled at this point. On the night of July 18th, the McSween household was set afire. Inside of this house was John McSween as well as a number of regulators. When members of the household tried to escape the following morning, they were gunned down in the street. And Billy and a number of others had to shoot their way out of the house before making their escape. The fallout from the Battle of Lincoln, as it's come to be known, is that McSween's widow, Susan, tried to press charges against the Murphy-Dolan gang, only to be denied. The military commander, Colonel Dudley, was placed under investigation for his failure to complete his mission without further bloodshed. Although, the investigation was dropped about a year later. The majority of the regulators scattered to the four winds, as it were, after the battle, with a few ending up in Texas and some of them settling down in California. Billy, however, was wanted as a fugitive from justice, and New Mexico... Governor Lee Wallace put a warrant out for his arrest after the August 5th, 1878 murder of Morris Bernstein, who was a bookkeeper for the Mescalala Indian Agency. Naturally, Billy and his three compatriots protested their innocence and with the exception of Billy's, the others had their indictments squashed when it came out that a constable by the name of Atacasino Martinez had most likely killed Bernstein. On October 5th, 1878, a U.S. Marshal informed the Governor Wallace that he had warrants for a number of men, including Billy the Kid. 
Wallace ended up issuing an amnesty proclamation on November 13th, which would pardon anyone who was involved in the Lincoln County War. This pardon, however, specifically excluded, excluded Billy. On February 18th, 1879, Billy and a friend by the name of Tom O'Folliard were in Lincoln and were witness to the assault, murder, and public emulation of an attorney by the name of Houston Chapman. From what I've been able to find, pretty much everybody who was witness to the murder said that Billy and his friend were innocent bystanders, and that Jesse Evans, if you remember, he who ran the Evans gang that Billy had joined up with before falling in with John Tunstall, forced the pair to watch the murder at gunpoint. What happened next is a matter of conjecture is there's a number of different stories. Some hold that Governor Wallace reached out to Billy, while others say Billy himself reached out to Wallace. And again, there is conflicting reports, because we know that communication was established between the two of them. Now, some of the things out there say that Wallace wanted Billy to provide testimony against the Murphy Dolan gang in regards to the murder of McSween and Tunstall, while other accounts list that Billy had offered to give evidence against Evans concerning the murder of the attorney, provided he was granted amnesty, which apparently Wallace agreed to when the two of them met in secret. On March 21st, Billy allowed himself to be captured by a posse led by Sheriff George Kimball of Lincoln County. Billy ended up giving the testimony as had been agreed to. However, after giving his testimony, the district attorney refused to allow him to be freed which led to Billy sitting in custody for a few few weeks. Billy ended up believing that Wallace had duped him and had never intended to allow him to go free. So on June 17, 1879, Billy escaped from the Lincoln County Jail. And one thing to take into account at this point, Billy's legend was already running rampant throughout the state of New Mexico as well as all over the country via various newspaper reports at this time. He had become something of a folk hero in this country. So it's fairly understandable why Wallace would have reneged on his promise to Billy after escaping the Lincoln County Jail, Billy, you know, pretty much stayed in the area, traveling around from town to town, going from the New Mexico Territory to the Arizona Territory. 
uh, there aren't, isn't a lot to report on over about the following year until January 10th, 1880, when he shot a man by the name of Joe Grant at the Hargrove Saloon in Fort Sumner, New Mexico. According to the Santa Fe Weekly New Mexican, Billy Bonnie, more extensively known as the kid, shot and killed Joe Grant. The origin of the difficulty was not learned. Some sources say that Billy had been told that Grant intended to kill him and so struck first. What is not disputed is how it came to be. Apparently, Billy told Grant that he liked his gun and asked to see it. And upon examining it, Billy noticed that one chamber did not have a round in it. So when he closed the cylinder for the gun, he made certain that the empty chamber was the one that the hammer would fall upon. And when Grant went to shoot Billy, Billy stood there, allowed him to pull the trigger on the empty chamber before shooting Grant in the head. Billy then fled the area, and during all of this time, he had continued to cattle rustle and steal horses, while at the same time trying to get the governor to hold up his end of the bargain and grant him amnesty. At some point during that same year, Billy formed a friendship with a rancher by the name of Jim Greathouse. And on November 29th of 1880, Billy and two other men ran from a posse that was led by Sheriff's Deputy James Carlisle. Carlisle tracked them back to Great House's ranch, where the trio had held up inside Great House's home. They ended up telling the sheriff that they were holding Great House hostage, but agreed to exchange him for Carlisle, to which Carlisle agreed. When Carlisle tried to escape the trio by jumping through a window, he was shot and killed, at which point the now leaderless posse rode away, allowing Billy and his companions to escape. We're going to diverge for a moment from the life of Billy the Kid and get into that of the man who ended up killing him, which is a man by the name of Pat Garrett. Garrett was born June 5th, 1850 in Chambers County, Alabama. It seems Garrett had a fairly well-to-do upbringing until the family moved to Louisiana uh, and the Civil War broke out which really destroyed the family's finances. When he was 18, Garrett left Louisiana and headed to the West. The next few years of his life are really hard to track, but it was it is known by that by 1876 he was in Texas hunting buffalo, and that he had killed uh, his first person 
a man by the name of Joe Briscoe by this point. Garrett ended up surrendering himself to authorities, although they declined to press charges against him. Leaving Texas, he headed to the New Mexico Territory, eventually settling in Fort Sumner, where he found work as a cowboy for Pete Maxwell. On November 2nd, 1880, Garrett was elected sheriff of Lincoln County, New Mexico. And although his appointment was not to begin until January 1st, 1881, the outgoing sheriff, Sheriff Kimball, appointed Garrett as a deputy. In conjunction with this, Garrett ended up get, uh, being appointed a U.S. Marshal. And it's from this point on that Garrett began his pursuit of Billy the Kid. On December 13, 1880, Governor Wallace put a $500 bounty out for Billy the Kid's arrest. At some point during the month of December, Billy and his group decided to ambush Pat Garrett at Fort Sumter. The ambush did not go off as intended, and Billy and his men ended up having to flee, and they took off to Stinking Springs, New Mexico, where they holed up inside of a rock house. On the morning of December 23rd, one member of the gang, Charlie Baldry, went outside to feed the horses and was riddled with bullets by Garrett's posse. Billy and the rest of the members of the gang ended up giving up later in the day. Billy and his cohorts were taken to Fort Sumter before being transferred to Las Vegas, New Mexico. And by most accounts, crowds gathered when they arrived in Las Vegas to see the notorious Billy the Kid. On December 27th, Garrett loaded his prisoners on the train, only for the train to be surrounded by an angry mob who wanted one of Billy's cohorts. The man, Dave Rudabong, had escaped from custody on April 5, 1880, shooting and killing a deputy on his way out. Eventually, Garrett reached a compromise with the organizers of the mob, and a local constable agreed to accompany them to Santa Fe and petition the governor for Rudabog's release. After arriving in Santa Fe, Billy sent a number of letters to Governor Wallace trying to get the man to keep his promise of clemency. In April of 1881, Billy went on trial for the murder of Sheriff Brady and was eventually convicted and sentenced to hang, with his execution date being scheduled for May 13th. 
Again, there are conflicting accounts as to what happened upon Billy being sentenced. One count states that Billy remained quiet after being sentenced. Another states that Billy was told by the presiding judge he was going to hang until he was dead, dead, dead. To which Billy is reported to have replied, you can go to hell, hell, hell. Billy was transferred back to Lincoln County where he was housed above the courthouse. On April 28th, Sheriff Garrett was out collecting taxes while another deputy took five prisoners across the street to get a meal, leaving Deputy James Bell alone with Billy in the jail. Billy asked to be taken to use the outhouse, and on their way back, he hid around a blind corner, escaping from his handcuffs before beating the deputy with the handcuffs and grabbing the sheriff's gun, shooting him in the back as he attempted to escape. Billy then broke back into the jail and grabbed a loaded shotgun from Pat Garrett's office. Ensconcing himself in the upstairs of the building, he waited for the sheriff's deputy who had gone across the street to respond to the gunshot. When the man came outside, Billy is reported to have said, Look up, old boy, and see what you get. When the sheriff looked up, Billy shot and killed the man. Eventually, Billy, whose legs were still encased in legs irons, was able to break them off, at which point he stole a horse and rode out of town. Governor Wallace again placed a $500 bounty on Billy's head, and Garrett eventually tracked him down in the vicinity of Fort Sumner, staying on the property of a friend named Pete Maxwell. Garrett and his deputies arrived on Maxwell's property on July 14, 1881 and questioned the man about whether or not they had seen Billy. Maxwell is supposed to have told them that he had in fact seen Billy, but that the man had left before their arrival. Garrett thought that something was off with Maxwell, and decided to stay around until that evening. At some point during the night, he broke into Maxwell's house and went to the man's bedroom, placing a gun to his head and telling him that he didn't believe that he did not know where Billy had gone. some point during this, while this was going on, Billy came to the house looking to get something to eat, and upon hearing talking coming from his friend's bedroom, went to investigate. He saw a figure standing beside Maxwell's bed, and is supposed to have asked in Spanish, Who's there? Who's there? At which point Garrett opened fire. He shot twice with one bullet hitting Billy in the chest and the other missing completely. 
how long it took Billy to die is left to our imagination, as Garrett never went into any great detail about what happened next, beyond the fact that he had shot and killed Billy the Kid. It didn't take long for rumor of Billy's death to spread throughout the territory and then throughout the entire country. And very quickly, people began to insist that Billy had not actually been killed and that it was, in fact, another man that Garrett had shot, mistaking the man for Billy the Kid. People began to talk about how they had seen Billy in the weeks following his death. Not long after Billy's shooting, a Justice of the Peace convened a jury to examine the body, and these individuals asserted that it was in fact Billy the Kid who Garrett had shot. A candlelight vigil was held, and afterwards his body was buried with a wooden marker. Garrett, meanwhile, traveled to Santa Fe to collect the $500 reward offered by Governor Wallace. The acting governor, William G. Rich, refused to pay the reward, which in turn led to residents of the territory raising roughly $7,000 to pay Garrett. Garrett was eventually paid the $500 owed to him by the government of New Mexico. As a result of the talks of the kid's survival, Garrett ended up writing a book known as The Authentic Life of Billy the Kid, which was published in April 1882 and has since become a reference for historians writing about Billy's life. After the kid's death, a number of people claimed to actually be him, although the majority of these claims were later disproven. There are two that actually stand out. One is a man by the name of Brushy Bill Roberts, who lived in Central Texas. Roberts actually went to New Mexico to seek a pardon for Billy the Kid, and after being denied this, died shortly afterwards. While another man, John Miller of Arizona, claimed to be Billy the Kid, uh, assertion that his family vehemently denied. As for Pat Garrett, he had a number of different law enforcement appointments over the ensuing years before eventually settling in the Las Cruces area of New Mexico, where he was gunned down at the age of 57 on February 29, 1908, by person or persons unknown. Although it should be noted that his son was engaged in something of a feud with a man who he had leased land from. That is going to do it for the Death Cast this week. 
I hope you enjoyed my take on Billy the Kid, and I apologize for any historical inaccuracies in this retelling. Again, Billy the Kid's life is shrouded in both mystery and legend, and without the benefit of a time machine, it's very difficult to say with certainty what happened at any given point in his life. The Death Cast is a production of Corpse Creek Publishing. Until next week, stay safe and stay morbid. Welcome, welcome, welcome to, to the, the Dead Cast.